Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Michelle Nieder. Michelle is on the show talking about mental health and faith. You know, I don't have to tell you that anxiety and depression are on the rise. Michelle is the Clinical Director of Community Counseling Associates in Dallas, Texas. She is a mom of two and former school counselor with 20 years of experience in private practice. She is on the show sharing her expertise on how to protect our mental health and the mental health of our children. We pray that after this episode, you are better equipped to handle the mental health challenges that life brings. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. You are an author, speaker, and a clinical director of Community Counseling Associates in Dallas, Texas. And as a mom of two, a former school counselor, and over 20 years of experience in private practice, you bring a unique perspective to the mental health challenges that we face as women. So uh, we're diving in deep early and and quickly. So why do you think that anxiety and depression is on the rise? Other than maybe the obvious of of COVID and we've been in quarantine and and all of that. You know, it's so interesting. I was actually listening to um, an interview on another podcast with Sissy Goff, who's another mental health professional who does what I do. And, And I totally agree with her. I think our kids have better emotional vocabulary than probably we did growing up. So now they can identify their emotions, which is the first step to coping with them. Definitely. We have to be able to name them, but then they don't know what to do with them. And we're not there yet with that. I think that's why she and I are so passionate about how do we help our kids and ourselves, let's be honest, as moms manage our emotions when they feel overwhelming. And that's why I think, um, right now anxiety is on the rise because the research says, we know more about what's going on in our world than we ever have before. So we have this global perspective that didn't exist when we were kids and we can look things up. I mean, pretty much if it wasn't in Encyclopedia Britannica at one time, <laughs> right. you didn't know what it was, you know? Yeah. And that was only if your parents bought the books from the right. guy by your door. But right. now, you know, we and our kids can Google anything in a heartbeat. Like I was on a, we were on a vacation and we're in the Redlands and my husband and I are trying to remember from when we were in school, like as crazy as we are, like, how big are they? Do you remember what we learned in world geography? And my daughter's like, well, I just Googled it and it's blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so it's just a different world. Like we didn't even think to Google it in that moment. You know, we're trying to remember in our brains. And so our information's coming at our, are are all of us so fast. And then we have this whole like um, game where we can see each other's worlds the way we want to appear online. And so that's new for all of us to be experiencing as well. So before maybe you compared yourself in your little neighborhood you were in, you know, now you're looking at, you can look at anybody and how they want you to see them. And so I think all that together honestly is impacting I think it's starting in our brain and our mind and I just interviewed Dr. Caroline Leaf about this like I think it's starting in our heads with what we're thinking and that's why my next book for women is going to be on mindset because we have got to cap we've got to take capture our thoughts like it talks about take captive having a hard time saying that today and really renew our minds 
Because if we don't, yeah, anxiety is going to be like rampant in us. And honestly, I've had, I don't know about you, but I've had some really hard days with that in the midst of this pandemic. And we just, my whole family just came out of quarantine because we had a positive COVID test last week. And it's hard when you feel more isolated, when you feel helpless, like you don't have control over your world the same way you may have at one time. And so either we're going to like respond well to our circumstances and make the best of them and laugh at them and all that good stuff. Cause that's good. Cause that brings endorphins into your body and your mind and your soul, or we're going to awfulize them as a, it's a therapeutic term and catastrophize them. And life's going to be even harder. And we just have got to help ourselves not do that. We have to fight that battle in our minds. And then we got to equip our kids to do that too, so that they can be resilient. Yeah, and you know, honestly, Michelle, even as Christian women who know the truth, we know to renew our minds and, you know, we know to fill ourselves up with, with scripture, it's really still hard to, to live this out on a daily basis. And so I think your work is just so, so important. And specifically, you have a heart just for serving families in general. So why are families just so near and dear to your heart? Because I believe it's so funny. I'm working with my new publisher and I just came back from a conference and they have a t-shirt that says one over 68. And what that means is one hour out of 168 is not enough to impact a family's life. Mm -hmm. And that's how much time the average family spends in church. And so discipleship's got to come out of the home. Um, Honestly, I wanted to get paid to disciple people. (laughs) And I tried to be a children's minister, a youth minister, a pastoral care minister, a women's minister. I think I tried it all in the church at one time or another. And I, and really they want us to mentor their leaders like on staff and then to plan amazing events, which are great. I mean, I like to speak at those events, right? I like to teach. And that part was fun for me, but I wanted to be heart to heart because I believe one-on-one heart to heart with either a family or an individual is where the work of the Holy Spirit works to make change in people's lives. And, you know, at one time, I think the church was small enough and life was slow enough. People would pull people aside and women would, older women would do that with younger women, et cetera, like it talks about in Titus. But today, you know, I get asked all the time as a counselor, like I'm licensed so I can do a wedding to do people's weddings that I do premarital counseling for because they don't know their pastors at their church. Wow. And they, and, and those pastors don't know them well enough to really make a, create a meaningful ceremony for them. And so I think that is really, really difficult today. And that's why I have this passion for families, because I believe that when an individual is struggling, they're not struggling on their own. They're struggling within a system and that system is the family. And then my other passion has been for schools and I'm the mental health consultant still for a private Christian school. And I developed a crisis counseling program and intervention strategies for a public school district of over like, you know, the 14, I don't know how big it is now, like 26 schools back then and like 14,000 kids. But the purpose of that was Those families exist in the school setting. That's another system. And so that system needs to intervene with those kids and their families. Because like, Rachel, if you go to a women's conference, yes, you can make a difference in the system of your family because you're going to come back inspired and on fire and all that stuff. But 
sometimes like that family will push out your flame slowly because you know what I'm talking about, right? It happens to all of us. <laughs> and so I, I just think that's why we've got to help families become the heartbeat of God in the culture because they have the best chance of raising another generation that is going to walk with God. And then they also have the best chance, I think, of impacting the culture today. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, my little family of four, if we are a strong unit and then just the little circles that expand beyond that, you know, I have my little circle. Uh, my daughter has her fourth grade circle. My son has his sixth grade circle. My husband has his his work, um, you know, and, and it's like we can really start to, to make a ripple effect. Um, I'd really like to dive in to more. Let's talk about mothers, because that's probably who's listening. Uh, yeah. You know, often we wonder, you know, for those of us that have children, like, is my kid okay? We just, we worry about our kids all the time. So, you know, are, are there some warning signs that you see that you maybe would want to make us aware of um, for mental illness that we can, can look for in our kids? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to kind of address that. And I'm going to use the word mental health instead of mental illness, because mental health exists on a spectrum at any time. All of us are on the spectrum, right? Of like, like you think about sad and then there's like depressed and then there's like suicidal and then there's like scared and then there's like anxious and then there's like panic disorder and, and like agoraphobic can't leave the house, that kind of stuff. And honestly, we're going to have to help our kids re-enter this culture. Some of our kids are really hesitant. Uh, that's what I'm working on now is we've got some both social emotional regression that has occurred during this pandemic for our kids. And then also like, we're going to have to equip them to re-enter the culture. Some of us adults have stayed in it, but like kids like my son, who's done online school, like <laughs> I'm realizing like, you know, I love it that he thinks that way. I guess um, being, being a therapist kid, he's kind of used to exposure therapy. <laughs> so he says to me, mom, if I'm going to go to this private school next year, I've only been wearing track pants for like two years. And I don't like the feeling of a, a like a button and a zipper. <laughs> so maybe I should start wearing khaki pants to church so I can get used to that before I have to wear them at school. And I think that's kind of what we got to do with our kids as we go through this time. So I want to answer your question, but I also want us parents to start thinking about how do we equip them to not be like, like you watch people out in the culture, like you don't want to get too close to somebody else or if somebody starts to hug you, even if you're vaccinated, you kind of are like, I don't know, are we ready for this? And so, and then we want to make sure our kids don't take that as rejection from other kids when they're hesitant because kids are naturally cautious. They don't want, they're just scared of the germs, right? <laughs> like it's, I mean, we've, we've created this whole dynamic that we've never had before with kids in our culture. But with our kids, first, we want to be talking to our kids. And we want to be talking ourselves out loud enough to say, today's a rough day for me. You know, I just keep thinking about everything we've lost. And I'm kind of grieving that. I am going to spend some time thinking about being grateful for everything I have to, because there's the hope and the help. But I need to sit in my feelings and let those go. Like we don't, we don't skip the grief part. It won't work. And we want to give our kids permission to have that grief. My daughter lost a major opportunity in the middle of COVID quarantine, sadly. And she cried most of Thursday about it. And I just needed to sit beside her and not say, I could tell her all the reasons that God was going to use it for good, but she needed to get there herself. And my daughter reads her Bible and actually gets up before I do and reads her Bible. I'm such a spiritual slacker compared to her some days, but um, 
but I know that God's going to work that out in her. It's my job to be present in, and I'm working on a picture series books for kids on this in the emotion that the child is feeling. We don't want it to get stuck in them, but I think sometimes we're so scared of that. We don't let them feel it. If they don't feel it, they're going to do something the research calls looping. They're going to keep coming back to it. They have to process it. So if we just shove it down in them, it's not going to help them. So one of the ways you can help your kid be okay is let them have those negative feelings and express them. Otherwise, they're going to hide them from you. If they feel like it's not okay for you to see them hurting, even though, gosh, doesn't it hurt our mom's heart? Oh my gosh, my heart hurts so bad for her on Thursday night. So hard. Um, and you can't fix it. You do feel very helpless as a parent in that moment. But if your anxiety gets too high, they aren't going to want to be around that. And so then you lose the opportunity to be their emotional compass. So I think we ask our kids some questions, really important questions, like when is the last time you cried? If they're the kind of kid who's going to cry in the room. Um, when is the last time you talked to a friend is a great question because we need to know how much they're isolating. Um, how are you doing with falling asleep and staying asleep is something I'm hoping parents, because, you know, we do so good with that when they're little. And if they're little and they have a problem, they're jumping in our bed. But when they get a little older, sometimes that's when it's hard. Like I, I've been doing some interesting reading and learning about the fact, and this is why I'm so interested in like girls devotionals and kids devotionals and stuff, because when they're little, we have story time before they go to bed and we distract them from all their worries, don't we? And we sing and we pray, we rub their backs. And then it's like, they get to be old enough that we think they can get them to sleep by themselves. And a lot of us just check out and they're like, give me a hug. Good night. Yeah. I don't have to climb the stairs. I'm getting older and I'm tired. And <laughs> unfortunately that puts them in their beds alone, trying to get to sleep. And if we are restricting screens, which I hope we are, because that's what a lot of kids are doing. They're begging for the screens to distract themselves to the point they fall asleep. And I'll be honest, some of us are doing it. We're like literally binging Netflix. And I've done this a little bit. Like, and I don't, I, I don't want to quit watching until my brain is completely shut down. Because I don't want that in between stage of like getting ready to go to sleep. And how those, those thoughts, like all my to-dos are going to come up. And all my worries are going to come up. And, you know, and that's why sometimes it's good to have something beside your bed that you write on and you dump those out. We do that with kids. We have them have a little worry journal beside their bed so they can dump them out and not be in their heads. But we want to look at their sleep. So we want to look at their crying, if they're sleeping, if they're socially isolating. And then I think also looking at, you know, kids, kids grow and eat food weird. I mean, and I have picky eaters, but we are seeing more eating disorders on the rise um, and restrictive eating because of the anxiety. When your tummy doesn't feel good, you don't want to eat. And so... If you're seeing a lot of that, we also have kids who are bored and kind of anxious and they're right in the pantry like crazy. Um, and some of us, I mean, I gained 20 pounds during COVID. I'm really having to work on my eating habits because the way my daughter coped with COVID is she baked chocolate chip cookies like all the time. And I did, my husband keeps pointing out, I did buy the cookie dough for that. I just, <laughs> you know, but I keep telling her, I need you to hide those for me. Like, I go to the kitchen. I say, I'm not going to eat the cookie. I'm going to go eat an apple and I eat the cookie. You know? and, so, and so, but we need to watch that. If our kids are sowing significant loss or significant gain. Now I'm not talking about developmental stuff. Just so, I mean, I think most of us mamas know this, this these days, but like kids shoot up and then they pack up around the belly and that stores everything they need to shoot back up again. And they pack up and then they shoot up. But you know, like, I was talking to a high school senior who's gained 45 pounds that I work with. Um, just we're working on like his impulsive eating. 
And, you know, I told him, honey, you're probably not going to grow much more. Like there's no more shooting up. So if you pack up now, you have to get rid of it. And, and we have to begin to look at that for our kids because obesity is an issue in our culture. And from a mental health perspective, when we're obese, our brains aren't working well. So something else I, we work with our kids on because it's a mental health issue is how much are you moving? Bilateral stimulation, which is when we walk or do anything that like bike ride, it stimulates both sides of the brain. It's really important for kids to experience that. It helps with their brain development. Um, I'm kind of worried about that. Like in the old days, we always said your brain's fully developed at 25. We heard some new neurological studies. It looks like it's coming to 28 to 30. I'm scared screens are delaying brain development. Oh in our kids, which is kind of like, I'm, that's why I, get, I went back after I heard that. And I told my son, you can't spend as much time on screen. I'm worried that when you're like, when you're in that mode of wanting to keep yourself alive, like all the blood is rushing to your amygdala and we got to make sure your frontal lobe develops. Cause I need you to make wise decisions someday. <laughs> and, right. and I don't want you in my house to your, I love you, but like, I, I'd rather you be a great engineer and I live in a little house beside yours <laughs> when you're 30 and not you be in my house when you're 30. Cause you're not ready. You're not mature enough because your brain hasn't developed right. So that's kind of some different things to look at for sure. Um, also listen to your kids and don't dismiss them when they say things like, what if, what if statements are things that I think we need to listen to at, with our kids and, and we need to, that shows worry. What if this happens? What if, you know, I think sometimes like those of us who are pragmatic are like, what if it doesn't? But I think it's time to say things like this. I see you're worried about that. Tell me more. Little counts. I'll give you big counselor tricks. I need <laughs> them. I need them all. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more about that is a great parenting phrase to use. It's actually a good marital phrase to use as well. Good communication phrase. Tell me more about that. Um, because we learn through that. And it also says, I, I'm comfortable with what you just shared. And I'm interested in hearing more. Yeah. This is fascinating to me on so many levels. And I, and I really appreciate how practical all of this is. And I'm just thinking about all the mistakes that I've made already as a mother, but you know, cause one of the things that I have a tendency to do is probably is my daughter says, mom, you can't just tell me a Bible verse and make this spiritual, you know, cause, because I think that's like my go-to and, and, kind of the Romans 8, 28, like God's going to use this for good, but and maybe I need to let, and I know he will, but maybe I need to let my kids sit in that a little bit longer rather than just, you know, trying to fix it for them and control it. Um, yeah. The research says they need to feel it. We all need to feel it. We need to name it. We need to identify where we're feeling it in our bodies because emotion is also physical. It has an energy component to it that we feel in our bodies. And then we need to create a movement or something to let it go, like a sigh, something like that, or something that helps them to begin to shake it off. You know, I think Taylor Swift was onto something there or let it go <laughs> in the princess days if you've got little ones. Um, but there is something to that. But yeah, I do think we need to be careful because it's funny because I'm working on this series and right now the working title is like, God gave us sad, God gave us scared and God gave us mad. And my mom is a lot like you, Rachel. She, she hears my series and she goes, Michelle, why wouldn't you write? God gave us peace. God gave us hope. God gave us joy. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, we're going to get there. That's the second series, but we have to start with the feelings our kids are feeling and not ignore those. And she's like, uh, that might've been one of the worst mistakes I ever did with y'all, maybe. And it was funny. And I was like, 
these honest conversations you have with your 70 year old mom. And I'm like, well, mom, I have to admit you weren't the one I talked to when I was disappointed or I was frustrated because I didn't feel like you got it because you were pretty quick to try to like make, almost make me feel guilty because I didn't trust Jesus enough with it. And I think if we want our kids to be open with us, they know we know that. You know, I've taught my kids God works all things for good. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I love that verse, power, love, sound mind. I claim sound mind quite often. Uh, But, you know, so I do think we put God's word in their hearts and we utilize God's word. But it's, I think it's better to say, instead of like, you know, after they're, as they're like, my daughter did it on her own. She said, what if so-and-so gets to sing, even though that I'm missing this opportunity, I could see God working that for good. And I think it's better to come from her and her leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think when they're littler, we want to teach them that. But especially when we get in this tween age that you and I are sitting in, after eight, we want to ask them, like, this really hurts. Do you see any way down the road God could use this for good? I think that's a good question to ask. And if they say no, you may need to say, well, I'm going to pray. Let's pray about that. Let's pray that God will help us catch a vision for that this does feel pretty hopeless right now but we know we have hope do you see the difference in that because we allow them and then we cry with them and we you know i guess because i'm a counselor i'm a big fan of weep with those who weep and you know i like to party like no others so celebrate with those who are (laughs) celebrating too but we need to do that with our kids and we we need to do both yeah and not one or the other we don't want to over commiserate then you know that's not good either we'll reinforce a victim mentality but we got to have this balance I just was going to say that, you know, the parallel, you know, all these, these tips and, and wisdom and the, you know, everything you're saying works for our kids, but it's like, I'm, I'm thinking I need all this. Like these are tools that, cause even, you know, you're talking about this, like isolation. I remember one of the first times that we actually got to kind of go out after not being around anybody for the longest time, it was almost like I had this feeling of, I don't know how to communicate with people again. Like, I don't know how to be around people. And so this is something that we are all, no matter what age we are, are kind of working through. And so do you have anything that you would, um, you know, we've kind of talked about these signs, but how do we start to empower our children and even us to just struggle well in these hard seasons? I think struggle well is a good phrase. I think, you know, I do love the work on resiliency and we want to teach, I think this generation might come out, if they struggle well, they'll be the most resilient generation we've had in a long time. Our country has had generations like my grandmother lived through the depression. You know, she was a very resilient woman and I loved her to death. We lost her the first week of COVID. I think my grandma's just like that. She's a lot like me. And she was like, I have a feeling she sat in that nursing home and went, okay, nobody can see me anymore. So I'm 97. I'm done. Hmm. Like that was all I was left. I'm out. Let's go be with Jesus. Cause she was just out really quick there. Um, my sister and I were kind of talking about that yesterday because it's really close to the anniversary of her death. Um, but I think also if we really doubt that we're struggling well, I want to say this too, like get a mental health checkup and don't go to your pediatrician. I, I love your pediatrician. I go to the pediatrician when we have a cold, when we need a vaccination, when we um, are checking on something. I mean, I just... <laughs> My son, when my sister-in-law and her husband both died of cancer and they had three kids left, my son went through a horrible time. He was terrified we were going to die. And so I I thought he had the stomach bug that wouldn't go away. So I go into this pediatrician that I work with all the time as a mental health professional. 
And she's like, okay, I need you to do me a favor, mom. Take your mom hat off and put your mental health hat on. Let's pretend like we're talking about a case. Trauma in the family, scared parents are going to die. All the time has tummy troubles and is getting, not going to school or getting sent home for, I'm like, separation anxiety 101, you know? Like, I just couldn't do it as a mom to see that, that we had just IBS going on from that. And so the pediatrician can help with that, but a mental health professional, like, that's all I do. That's all my staff, my, I have 15 counselors on my staff. That's all we do. So I'm hoping someday we get to where a mental health checkup is almost normal. Like we, I know people who say they're taking a mental health day and I'm like, I wish you'd go see a counselor on that mental health day and just talk about what you're struggling with and ask them for a book to read or some tools to help you cope. Like let us become part of your world because if you get in crisis, you don't want to walk through our world without us because then you're in hospitals and it's, uh, I interviewed Crystal Payne, like their family went through that with one of their kids. It's hard. And so I think it's really important that we do equip ourselves. And if you're struggling, you know, I have moms who just come in and say, I had one mom, she's like, and she had seen me for grief and a friendship issue and very mild, like not even a full diagnosis, barely. I barely got enough to get her insurance to cover it. And um, then she calls me and she's like, I need to see you now. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? She said, my son wants to break up with his girlfriend. And when he told her, she said she might kill herself. And I don't know what to tell him. Like, I need to see you today. And I was like, okay. I said, that's heavy, right? That's a heavy mom thing. This is a middle school boy. Mm. That's a lot. And so when we wonder why our kids are struggling with mental health issues, you know, I don't think we've ever been in such a culture where death is an option out for kids. And they, they actually think about that and, and they do it for things that are, you know, I tell kids all the time when I'm in like a public school um, setting, uh, su suicide or death is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And so we need to help you with your temporary problems and we need to help our kids with our temporary problems. And we need to let them know that, that that's not, I mean, it's, you need to actually say that to your kid, that that's not, that's not a good solution. Mm, that you know, getting help is, is a good solution. Mm. Um, talking to other people about your problem is a good solution. I know this sounds crazy and my daughter, I shouldn't even tell this story, but like <laughs> deep breathing is a really good solution. Cause your brain, when you're hyper aroused, your brain doesn't work. And I taught my four-year-old that. So she proceeded in preschool. <laughs> to come up to this boy who's in trouble at the timeout chair and goes, listen, I know you've gotten in a lot of trouble and you want to get out of that chair. So my mom in the car, when I get really upset, she makes me breathe like in one, two, three and out one, two, three. And I know we breathe out of the time, but this actually makes your brain work better when you do it for longer. And maybe if you practice that while you're sitting in the chair, you'll get out of the chair faster. And she takes off to go play in her little center. And the preschool teacher and her assistant goes, the counselor's daughter has spoken. <laughs> but it is important. Like, I mean, I sometimes go outside and I take a breathing break. And when I had little kids, like you and I are past this, but I bet you have some moms who have like the little preschooler and toddlers. We had a calm down step with little like squishy balls and a pinwheel because those help you breathe and relax. And I didn't want them to just sit in time out and stew. I didn't think that'd be really good. We had like scriptures in there or like comforting thoughts. And then we had that little, you know, the glitter thing that goes up and down and up and wow. down. And I would just say, <laughs> breathe with the glitter, breathe with the glitter. So, and you don't teach them this when they're mad and they're in the spot. You show them the box ahead of time and kind of help them. 
but I'll be honest, Rachel, I, I, I still spend some time in mommy timeout. Like <laughs> so I don't lose my cookies with my kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that because we can't help our kids if we aren't okay ourselves. It's kind of like the oxygen mask on the flight. Like you yeah. got to give your oxygen first so that you can give your kids oxygen. And before we get to that, I'm so glad you have broken it down to mental illness and mental health. That was kind of a light bulb moment for me. So I'm so glad that you talked about that because, and, and then just this, this, this combination and this, how our, our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls are all so interconnected. Um, anyway, all that to yeah, say, we, go we back. Talk, you know, and I'll give you a little bit on that. We have a real holistic approach. Like anybody I see who's depressed and a lot of our kids are getting depressed because they've been anxious so long. They're hopeless that they can't fix the anxiousness mm. is what's going on right now in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, that's why anxiety is on the rise more, but then we're seeing depression follow it like 94% increase in anxiety when our kids 84% increase in depression since COVID hit. Wow. And the reason we're seeing these huge increases, it's just, it's depressing when you think about those numbers, it makes me just like think how on earth Lord. Um, but, um, they're, they're just anxious so long. And I've seen moms get that way. Like you stay in anxiety so long, you will become depressed. And so we do need to take care of ourselves. We need to model for our kids. It's okay to say, I'm having a rough day. Uh, I'm really struggling today, but it's also really important that we're like, I grew up with that mom who the Bible was out and she was on her knees. And even when, when I'm on the fly, you know, I'm banking on her prayers and the prayers. And when I'm in trouble, like COVID, diagnosis I'm banking on the prayers of her posse too because retired women pray a lot so I'm like mama get your crew I need all of them on their knees for us as I'm trying to juggle all this and I'm so grateful for that um and so I think it's really important that you know when I don't remember if your daughter because I know you were on our launch team yes, yeah. uh -huh. I don't know if she was in the little camp we did mm -mm. but we taught those girls like before your heat feet hit the floor. And I would say this to mamas too. Like you're either going to say to yourself, how do I feel today? And if you're like me, I felt sleepy and I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. I'm just going to be honest, Rachel. I was like so relieved that we were doing this at nine instead of eight. Cause I'm like, ah, a little more time here. Well, and then but, you and I both are like, oh, I'm glad that you didn't like all get yourself all put together. We're not guessing up ladies. And that is just fine. So, um, but what we need to do when we wake up in the morning, the night before we need to think, how do I want to feel in the morning? Do I want to feel productive? Do I want to feel loving? Do I want to feel peaceful? And then we need to think, what do I need to think in order to feel that way? And that needs to be the first thought out of our head when our eyes open. Because then I tell girls all the time, like your emotions are on the bus but you need to be driving the bus. Like, do not let them drive <laughs> the bus. Driving? <laughs> the bus will go all kinds of crazy places if you let the emotions in the driver's seat. You have to allow yourself and God to stay. You cannot take the emotions off the bus. That's what a lot, especially masculine men like to do. You know, I'll have men say, oh, there's so much estrogen. And why do my, why does my family feel everything? And I'm like, oh, you don't feel anything? And he's like, no, I just really don't have all these feelings. And I'm like, okay, let me talk to your family members and see how frustrated and angry and irritable you are. And he's like, oh, whoa, well, maybe I do. You know, like, I mean, I'm very honest in family therapy. If you come into me, you, you know, I mean, you probably know my reputation, but men like to, they don't want you to go, well, how do you think that makes you feel? Like, they don't want that. They just want you to shoot straight with them. 
And I'm like, so when you own your anger and you have control over that, you can start talking about their struggles with their fear and their sadness and stuff. Cause we all have stuff. We just, we either like hold it in and it kind of explodes or leaks out in sarcasm or, you know, we tend to show it all. We just can't let it run the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier that your loved and cherished um, book that you wrote with Lynn Cow, which for listeners, she was also on the Love Offering podcast and she was season one, episode 23. If you want to go back and listen to her episode, it was really good. But anyway, so you also co-host Raising Brave Beauties podcast with her, with Lynn Cow. Um, and so I think, you know, going back to even as women, we struggle with this just like girls do. It's like we know God's truth, but how do we get it from our head into our heart? I mean, how, how do, how do, how do we do this? How do we live it out? You know, and Dr. Leaf's got great research on this. We brainwash ourselves. Mm. I literally, I remember in my early twenties when Louis Giglio was doing a series called the carrot and the cross. And I found out because I was volunteering in his office that a lot of that came out of the book, the search for significance. The, if you do the workbook with that, you have to write out scripture over and over and over again. I would put it up on my mirrors, on my, um, like posted on my laptop back then the laptop was huge but anyway that's another story and then on my steering wheel and stuff like that and so we have to train our brains like this renewing this mind and taking everything captive we like to think about it and say we did it. you can't do it once you do it every day all day long i like to use doorways as my indicator of that so every how many doorways do we walk through in our homes quite a few mm -hmm. so every time i walk through a doorway i try to retrain my brain in not in the way the world makes me think but in the way that I know God wants me to think. And I know that's going to affect the way I feel. That's going to even affect, and this is where Dr. Leaf's research comes in. That's going to affect my blood work, really? my body chemistry. I'm interviewing Dr. Daniel Amen. We can see the activity in the brain change as we do these processes. Dr. Leaf has an app called the NeuroCycle where you can actually practice this. Um, our book that's coming out on Mindset is going to be the same type of thing. You've got to... You need, you know, we set aside time for so many things in our lives. Exercise is a good example. But like, if you're going to walk, why not retrain your brain when you walk? In fact, the research, if you've ever heard of um, EMDR. So the reason EMDR is used for trauma and like vets and also for kids and adults, you can even like um, treat future anxiety because what we do is we take the belief system and then we look at what you want to believe. And then we stimulate both parts of the brain so that we can help that change cement. Because when this right side's going, it's the emotional chaotic side. It doesn't do the logical sequence side, so we can't get perspective. So like sometimes if we had trauma when we were six, we are stuck in this six-year-old perspective. The bilateral stimulation helps us join the six-year-old perspective with like the 40-year-old perspective. But like when you're, she got this idea, Francis Shapiro, who developed this by walking we're bilaterally stimulating our brain. So that's why when I walk, I try to listen to faith-based music. I try to listen to audiobooks. I'm trying to do these things. I do not mull on my worries at all when I'm walking because all I'm going to do is reinforce the very thing. <laughs> that's like, good. So, yeah. that is not, I, so I don't do as much. Um, if I pray, I don't spend a lot of time praying for worry type stuff because I want to really when I'm bilaterally stimulating my brain, I want to be working. That's what the, uh, you may have heard of it is called tapping called tapping and when we tap so it's just really important that we are training our brains and when and, and that's where it's not only our brains we're training our minds which are connected to our brain which is the physical concept of us 
but then there's the psycho spiritual and i agree with you these 12 inches from like head to heart they're so hard that's i think that's why counseling has become especially christian counseling and i think christian coaching is becoming a larger movement because like a lot of us know what to do i i, I know what to do but my kids still scream and yell and i still have hard days mm -hmm. because living it out is takes work it takes accountability it takes encouragement and we need a place for that a time and a space for that and i think that's why sometimes people choose counseling because it gives them a time a space a person just like working out with a trainer it gives them an anchor to i, I really think we're like the personal training of your brain and your mind and your heart mm -hmm. um, and we provide the space and the time and the encouragement to do that well yeah. In fact, sometimes when my clients come back to me, like the first thing I ask them is like, how's your morning mindset going? And they're like, oh, I know why I'm here. I haven't done that in like three months. You know? <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. That happens to all of us. You know, we kind of like habits becoming rituals is really tough. And, you know, I have couples who come in and I'm like, when's the last time you were in church? Like we have all these rules for like Christian couples if they're doing marriage therapy for us. When's the last time you were in church? When's the last time you dated? Oh, we haven't been on a date in like three months. Well, yeah, if you haven't had any fun together in three months, you probably haven't wanted to have sex and you probably are fighting a lot because there's no good, there's no good otoxin being released in your bodies. And yeah, you're kind of a drag for each other. Yeah. So go have some fun and then come back. Now, sometimes we still have to work on some stuff, but but does that make sense that there's mm -hmm. like these, it, I have a sign in my office that I am so passionate about, I paid somebody to make. It says the other six days, 23 hours. Cause you can't even make change in your life in counseling in an hour a week. Mm. All this is is a stimulus for the other six days, 23 hours. That's what we need to teach our kids. Yeah. We need to teach our kids that like their sleep patterns matter. Their thought patterns matter. What they're putting in their bodies matters. What they're putting in their souls and their spirits matters. And that's what, you know, I tell my kids all the time, they like to watch sometimes dark, humorous, goofy stuff. And I'm like, you just have to make sure that that's not getting all the way in. That's that whole guard your heart. Mm -hmm. And then you got to make sure you're balancing that out with enough light, joy, truth, that the darkness doesn't, the darkness is the scary stuff. When it starts creeping into our kids' lives and our lives, you know, I felt that darkness before grief brings it mm -hmm. and it's hard and we're going to have it for a little while. We can't just get rid of it, but we want to move through it. So important. Gosh, Michelle, I'm wishing I lived in Dallas and I could make an appointment with you. <laughs> I think everybody listening is like, hmm, how can we do this? <laughs> you know, and I, I'll be honest, and people always ask me all the time now that I'm writing and speaking, when am I going to give up? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm running a counseling center and training. I've been training counselors for over a decade. Um, I'm never until God makes me, I don't ever want to give up the one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face yeah. because I love that opportunity to watch somebody's life grow and change. I had a client come back to me yesterday and she's so adorable. She's like, and, and I don't believe this. Like, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm the vessel here. I'm the messenger. Um, but she was like, somebody in the family just got diagnosed with cancer. And she's like, I just needed a little Michelle today. Like I told your assistant, like, I may not be here for long. I know what to do. Michelle's taught me how to live and I, it's totally changed my life, but, and I do it and I'm still doing it, but I just need a little extra like, um, <laughs> and, um, I had so much fun seeing her. I mean, it was so, cause she's like come so far from where we started, um, in just so many aspects of her life and healing, but you know, 
all of us need that sometimes. That's what friendships are for. And then sometimes it is what a mental health professional is for or somebody who disciples you. I just am sad because church staff really can't do that anymore. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, there, my mom says that she would do it more, but the women are too busy for it. And it is hard. Like there's a Bible study on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, but you know, Rachel, if that doesn't work for your schedule, cause your kids are wherever at that time or seven o'clock at night. And that's when you have a soccer game. Right. The nice thing about counseling is you can kind of wiggle around, you know, and we can kind of, you find a spot with somebody who works with your day yeah, and yeah. stuff like that too. But I, I love talking with you. I love talking with women about these things cause they're real and we're living them every day and we're trying our best to love God and, love others and stay sane. <laughs> I don't know if that's what the, maybe that should go on my wall. Love yeah. God, love others and stay sane. Yeah, but, I like it. <laughs> well, and okay. help our kids do the same, right? Well, so, so based on all of our conversation today, as we kind of wrap up, how do you think we can best be love offerings? I think I listened to your introductory episode this morning and I think you're so on target. It starts with our connection to God. We become the vessel of, that's why I don't like some people ask me, how do you do what you do? Why don't you feel a lot of pressure? And I teach my counselors this, like it's, it's God's job in the office, not yours, you know? And I beg him sometimes, like when I get real insecure, when I'm about to go speak somewhere, I'm like, why am I doing this God? What's this for? And I'm like, God, you have to show up because all of these things are just wise points. If you don't show up, like if God doesn't show up as your listeners are listening to this podcast, then it's just good stuff. That'll just pass on through their lives. And so I think we're good vessels of, of, of him. And then we experience God in crazy moments. People laugh at me, but like I went to Florida and I like just literally like put on Facebook before I went, Hey, I'm going to be in this area anyways. And if I can serve a local church, let me know. And literally somebody tagged me and their, their youth minister's wife, I think. And then like at the last minute, the youth minister calls me and goes, Hey, I know we were talking about you coming next year when you come back to Florida, but like, this is Tuesday night. He's like, um, tomorrow we're going to talk about kids self-worth. Would you like come over tomorrow night and talk about wow. this? And, and, you know, that's part of loved and cherished message. So it's not mm -hmm. like I got to recreate a wheel. And I'm like, well, I think I could work on that during my lunch break and get a PowerPoint together. Sure. We all experience God, the kids, I, him in the most amazing moment. So I think that's part of it is I love Henry Blackaby's work on experiencing God. I think you're just open to those moments to experience him and he'll do the work. I think we can trust that. And we kind of have to learn that over time to mm -hmm. walk those baby steps of faith into trusting him to do that. I also think when we're doing that, to be honest, um, like I think counseling is so important, but we can't over-focus on ourselves, you know, and we can become almost self-obsessed to the point we're picking apart everything. And I think that's what I love what you say about the love offering, because that keeps us from that, Rachel. It really yeah. does. Um, I don't think we pour ourselves out as love offerings to avoid whatever pain we're experiencing. But I think, again, there's a balance to that. I think we recognize our pain, we manage our pain, and then we're still love offerings. 
Yeah. Uh, it, this has been such an insightful episode. I know I want to stay in contact with you and you've mentioned so many great resources, which I will be sure to include in all of the show notes. Cause gosh, you, you mentioned a lot of them. I know. Um, I'm sorry about that. I'm such a geek. I'm always no, it's helpful. My it's, interviews are like, how many different things am I going to have to load in? <laughs> it's helpful. So how do we best stay just connected with you, tune into your podcast, you know, purchase your books, all the things. Okay. So, um, I have a website, your mental health because it's hard to spell Niedert. Um, <laughs> let's just be honest. And uh, it's Michelle Niedert.com too, but who can spell that? Although I'm the only one in the country that we've been able to Google so far. So that's good. That um, good. but, um, um, you can get the book on Amazon or any retailer loved and cherished. And then, um, I do have, we did the raising brave beauties podcast. I wish we'd had your, you and your girl on there that during that fun. season that Lynn and I did. It's actually being rebranded for the next season. Um, season three is right about to be released and it'll be called raising humanly healthy kids. So mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll launch in the beginning of May with the next season. Cause I kind of like, I can't do it all, all the time and mamas, none of us can. Mm -hmm. So like I run these seasons. And so that's the next season and I'm super excited. I'm going to be answering questions that parents have. So, you know, definitely send me an email, um, or, or through my contact page, um, Michelle at michelleneater.com. And I, I'd love to have more questions to answer, like how to find a good counselor. What do you, what do you look for? What do you need? What do they need to know? All those kind of things that parents want to know. What is it like, if you're going to be raising a mentally healthy kid, how are you a mentally healthy parent? What does that look like? And stuff. So I'm excited about that. Obviously another place to kind of just share like what I'm sharing with you. Yeah. So. Uh, I have enjoyed so much um, our conversation today and I just appreciate just all your, your good godly wisdom, but then also how practical it is. I really believe that it will, it has equipped me and I, and I pray that it equips each woman who has listened. So thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope we have more mentally healthy moms and kids out there before this is all over. Yeah. Uh, same. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Michelle Niedert. We pray that after this episode, you feel better equipped to handle the mental health challenges that life is bringing to you and to the others around you. This week, our love offering is to be a vessel and to be open to the moments to experience God, to let Him do the work. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I would love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week, we just dive in deeper into each podcast episode, into the blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that, just so more women can hear this Love Offering message. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive the weekly Love Offering newsletter, and all of this information can be sent straight to your inbox. Next week, my guest is Heather Avis. She is the founder and chief visionary officer of The Lucky Few, which is a social awareness brand on mission to make a more inclusive and loving world with an emphasis on shifting the Down syndrome narrative. She has written a book called Different, A Great Thing to Be. So we uh, hope that you will tune in again then. But until then, I hope you have a great week. And as always, remember to lead with love.